You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome, everybody, to the latest edition of Behind the Braves, presented by Jostens, the official podcast of the Atlanta Braves. I'm Ricky Mast, Atlanta Braves Digital Media Content Manager, coming to you live from my office with Director of Braves Alumni Relations, Greg McMichael. Uh, Greg, you know, I know I talked a lot about Mother's Day and how you could go to jostens.com slash Braves and pick up something for your mom there, one of the one of the great items from the World Series line of merchandise. Well, Mother's Day is gone, but you know what is up next? Father's Day. <laughs> and I, you can click right here on the link, and there it is. There's the Shop the Men's collection. There's the rings. Got the championship tag, the the bands, key ring. There's all kinds of stuff. The paperweight is actually really cool. Hmm. I kind of wish I had a window in my office just so I could have an excuse to have it. <laughs> oh, yeah, those paperweights are massive. Yeah. So, yeah, there's one that looks just like the World Series ring. So definitely go over to jostens.com slash Braves. Check out all the line of merch they've got there. And we love having them mm-hmm. as our presenting partner. It's very cool. Very cool for us just to have well, that. I had a fan the other day um, text me and say that uh, they bought the big ring. Really? $25,000 No kidding. They didn't make many, very many I, of those. I know. I guess he got in on it and uh, said that he was enjoying his World Series ring. Hey, that's awesome. I know. That's very cool. Mm-hmm. They've got that. There's the 25 gram one. Then there's the next one that's 700 mm. And then there's stuff, again, some of the stuff I was mentioning, there's the key rings. That's 30 bucks. Paperweight 180. There's other whatever price all, range you're looking for. It's all that's right. There. All budgets. Whether you <laughs> like your dad twenty five thousand dollars worth, or <laughs> if he's only right. worth twenty nine bucks to you, either way, you got you got him covered there. He might rather have a John Deere. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if he's a Braves fan, trust me, he's gonna want one of these. So okay, well let's get right into it here. First of all, uh, this is a Bubba and Harry edition. It's just Greg and I this week. Also, we're we're coming to you in a bit of an odd day. We're taping this on Sunday after the Padres series because I took a, a vacation last week. And vacation? What's that? I know. I know. I, I didn't really know what to do with myself. <laughs> I was only gone for like a week uh, and I don't usually, you know, I'm used to working 162 or close to it and this year we've I've got some some staff here that are here to help me and do, do some things that I've always kind of been doing on my own uh, and it's been awesome. Victoria and Becca, they are both rock stars and so it's also allowed me to take some games off here and there. It is weird though, taking off off like only taking off five games i think hmm. and i was only gone a week and it felt like it felt like i'd missed a month somehow i don't know what it is about baseball season but well you went week, to the most appropriate place you could vacation <laughs> panama city beach <laughs> I, it was my first time there and i felt like i fit right in I'm not gonna you lie did. yeah i felt like i was amongst the, amongst people i grew up with so uh, and i say that lovingly i did feel i fit right in i loved it down there it was mm-hmm. great we had a great time and uh, also spent uh, a day up in Darlington at the the NASCAR race. So nice. Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s team, uh, one of his one of his cars driven by Sam Mayer, young up and coming driver. They do for non NASCAR fans every year in Darlington. It's one of the oldest tracks in NASCAR. They do what's called Throwback Weekend, where teams are encouraged if their sponsors are cool with it to do a throwback paint scheme to any point in NASCAR history. And NASCAR dates back to I think 1949 was the first season, maybe 48. Wow. So it could be from any point starting then all the way up to fairly recent history. And so one of Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s cars did a throwback paint scheme to my dad from 30 mm-hmm. years ago or a 1991 scheme. Uh, so we went up 
there, met my dad, when my fiance went with us, and we just had a had a ball, had a great time seeing that car and all I the attention to detail. It was Did very you get some very good cool. pictures. Got some great pictures. Oh, yeah, bet. we got pictures with the car, with the driver. They let us. We sat on the pit box right behind the crew chief for the whole race. Wow. Uh, Sam had. I mean, he finished finished fifth and he had a chance to win the thing wow. so it was it was a great day mass fa- family reunion it was it was great so <laughs> spent some time and i talk about being amongst my people spent part of my vacation in darlington south carolina at a nascar race and then the rest of it panama city beach florida everybody so. went to, everybody went to uh panama city yeah yeah we, after we, the race yeah that's right so uh so yeah i had, I had a had a great vacation, but I'm definitely glad to be back here. Again, we're taping this after the last game against the Padres, the, the last game of this homestand. So obviously that game did not go the way we would like it to. But one thing I did want to talk about from that game, uh, Kyle Wright mm. and the season he's having. I think we're far enough into it now that we can officially say this is his breakout season. First round pick, we've all kind of been hoping and waiting for this. I don't know that I could have, any of us could have seen just how good of a season he's having. Um, what, what have you seen out of him do you think is the cause of this breakout? Breakout season. I think he's only had the one start where he kind of got roughed up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, well, and basically it seemed like there was only that one inning. It was right. just the second inning where things just kind of went um, awry and uh, he couldn't find the zone. He started overthrowing. But, I mean, you take that one inning out and he has been Mr. Consistent. And it's been really good to see. You just never know. I mean, I think back about Sean Newcomb and I think about Tuki Toussaint and think about just some of the guys that have been, I think back to Mike Miner and uh, Fulton Navich and guys who were just, we were waiting for them to have not just, you know, a few good starts in a row. And of course, um, Fulton Avich had pretty, had one really good year. But you think about those guys and you just never know what's going to click for them. And Kyle was starting, it seemed like he'd been up and down for three years and it probably, probably wasn't, but he didn't have a full year in at, at one point. And you just kind of think, okay, he's been getting a few starts here, a few starts there. And, and uh, just, didn't look comfortable on the mound and struggling and then he'd come up and have just a wow those are really five good innings and next time he went in there he struggled with his command I think for the first time what I'm seeing is that he's number one commanding all of his pitches right curveball slider fastball but it seems like he's he's getting ahead which always helps uh, you know a young pitcher but you see a lot of confidence and it started from day one I mean it's not like now all of a sudden you know he's we're into May and he's got some starts and now he's getting confident no he he came out the gate with a lot of confidence and probably would say that out of all the pitchers so far he's looked the most comfortable the most confident uh, he's had you know even even Max has had some a couple rough starts but but um, Kyle has been in control he has gotten ahead with this fastball he's commanded his fastball and I think for any young pitcher especially he has a really good fastball even though some may say that you know his best pitch is his breaking pitch I would say that his fastball is his best pitch because he can make it move he can sink it a little bit but then he can also throw it up in the zone but he's been hitting with all that every pitch he feels it looks like he's in control out you take away that one inning and I'll put him up against anybody so it, it's hard to say when that's going to click. Obviously, we drafted him in the first round. There's been a lot of high hopes for him. Uh, there's been um, people been waiting for it to happen. And, I mean, I would say the same thing about some of these other young pitchers we had. Sean Newcomb has as good a fastball as anybody. But I've never seen um, – I've never seen a – 
a formula that says, okay, well, if a, as long as a guy gets five starts in the big leagues, he's going to all of a sudden take off, or a guy gets ten starts. You just don't know. You don't know how a pitcher is going to react, especially a young pitcher, until you get him up here, and you can pitch all you want in the minor leagues. It really doesn't matter. But once you get up here and you get roughed up a little bit, or you uh, you go on a few road trips and you pitch against the Dodgers and you pitch against the Astros and you pitch against the Phillies, you just don't know. You go around the league and you let everybody see you. And then now they're ready for you. I think it's a little different nowadays. Everybody has so much film on. You don't know. Um, it could be three starts and everybody knows what you throw. Everybody's prepared for you. But I would say once you get around the league and you've pitched, then everybody has a better understanding of what you do. So that makes more of an emphasis on your execution. You have to execute your pitches. So now Kyle has been around the league. Uh, he's pitched in some postseason He's uh, had some rough starts. He's had some dominating starts. But he just looks like he knows what he's doing out there. He looks like he's in charge of his game plan. And I don't think, I don't think that's the case uh, last year or the year before when he came up. I don't think he really knew what he was supposed to do. Yeah, I know he, know he knew he was supposed to pitch and he knew he was supposed to be out there. But it just when there's a feeling inside where you say, okay, this is the pitch I'm supposed to throw. Here's where I'm going to execute it. I'm confident that I'm going to get that person out. That kind of comes across when you're on the on the mound and I just don't know if I've seen that until this year or the last few starts where he goes out there he's expecting to win he's executing his pitches and he's expecting to be in there six or seven innings it's been great to see I don't see why it won't continue because he's a he's a young guy with great arm and he has a great pedigree. You know, he pitched at college, you know, in, at, at Vanderbilt. He came here as a high draft pick. He's given every opportunity to do well. And now he's having that success. So hopefully that confidence is going to breed confidence. And he's picking everybody's brain. He probably feels like he belongs now. He's not looking over his shoulder. I would say the hardest part for a lot of these young guys is they come up and they think they got to throw no hitter for five innings to stay because it's just a revolving door you know every time Tukey comes up he probably feels like he has to throw five shutouts or a no hitter in order not to go back down to Gwinnett I think that can play on the mind of a young kid but uh, he shouldn't feel that way now and and I think what we're seeing is probably what Alex and his group that's why they drafted him and that's what they've been expecting him to do and now that he's doing it man we're getting to see a pretty special pretty pretty special pitcher out there it's really cool just to pull up um, the the stats so far on the season, the pitching stats, like just pull up the National League stats, and if you sort by strikeouts, they're right alongside names like Corbin Burns, Max mm-hmm. Scherzer, uh, Aaron Nola, all those guys that right in the middle of all of them is, is Kyle Wright, and it's cool. And then you start looking through the stats, and it's like he's right there, whatever, however you're sorting it on the leaderboard, the National mm-hmm. League side, and just in MLB. He's right there, and it's great yeah. to see. And I think I've touched on this before. I've only had a very limited little bit of one-on-one interaction with Kyle, just just a little. Uh, he seemed, he strikes me as a very, not, not only intelligent, but a really decent and good guy. But in talking with people that do work with him, the staff, front office people that do work with him on a regular basis, I know coming into this season, and these are conversations we had before this season, there were people that were rooting for him so hard just because they like Kyle Wright the person so mm-hmm. much. They love working with that's him. That's great. And and that's not to say it's like, oh, we got bad guys on our team. But there's some guys that they just, yeah. because they just like him so much and they know the quality of human being he is from working with him since he's been here for the last, what, five, six years now, sure. at least in the organization. I think they were all kind of hoping. I think I know these conversations I was having were all as a result of okay, we we saw him do it in the World Series, we saw him do it in the postseason, and 
They're just hoping that this is the yeah. year for him. You're person. pulling for him. Everybody You're pulling for just, him. Yeah. There's certain guys you want to pull for, and and he's one of those. And it's, it's great all, to see. It is. It is. And and he should have should have got that win today. I mean, yeah, should have. He should've. pitched well enough. We just defense let you know. Uh, let him down a little bit, but for the most part, he keeps going out there and doing that. He's going to be highly successful, and and with the talent that's on this team, he's going to win a lot of ball games. Let me ask you this, because I think the Braves are a much better team than the record would indicate now, and we're still pretty early on. I mean, we're well, today's May fifteenth, so yeah, we're a month and a half in. As a player, when did you actually really start looking at the standings? I don't mean just like kind of well, you happen to see it or whatever, but you're really starting to pay attention to, all right, how many games back are we of the lead, the wild card? Like, And granted, now there's, during your, your era of the 90s when you, you did most of your pitching, you know, we've got more playoff spots now available. So I don't know if the, the need to look at the standings, maybe that's pushed even further into the season mm-hmm. now. But I am curious, for you as a player, when did you really start paying attention to it? Or did you? I, I, don't, I don't know how that I works. I don't remember doing a whole lot of that. We were predominantly a slow starting team. But I think in this team, you know, of course, Snit said it best the other day. I mean, we're starting out better than we did last yeah, year. right. <laughs> but still, there was nobody playing well last year in our division. And now the Mets seem seem legit that they're 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 a solid ball team. I mean, what we saw up there in New York when we went and played, and just uh, I think Buck Showalter is probably the right guy to turn that team around. I agree. And um, so I mean, if they're not careful, they could end up being 15 games behind here pretty soon if they don't if they don't turn around the way the Mets are playing. You would hate to see that happen, but it's not the end of the world. But at some point, you never want to try to turn your season around in August. I mean, you've got to start showing, you know, a little bit better improvement. And I, I don't remember this team shooting itself in the foot as many times it seems like we're doing. And um, just nothing's clicking, right? Either right. the pitching's good one day, the defense is good one day, or the hitting's good one day, but they're not all working together. So you think that that's probably going to change at some point. You just hope that it's not... um, It's not going to be, you know, later. I think the team last year, you know, with injuries and some different things that happened was really was a more of a victim of that than it was what's going on right now. They just don't look, I've never seen them out of sorts defensively like they were today and some of the other games where people are making just, you know, Matt Olson making mistakes at first base and Austin making them at third and Dansby making them short. I mean, we're just not used to seeing that because this infield is so, so good. I just, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know, but I, I hope that as long as they stay in the mix, it's not you're not going to be looking at the scoreboard a whole lot. I mean, it's just too long of a season. Right. You got that marathon mentality. You know, you just got to kind of, you know, keep digging. Right. You keep um, putting your head down. A lot of these guys are trying to find their groove at the plate. A lot of these pitchers are trying to find their groove. It's great to see Charlie's last couple starts have been outstanding. Yep. That's good to see because you know he's too good. That was going to be a matter of time. And you don't know. You don't know what that shortened spring training. Does. It's not so much the timing of the, of the spring training as it is that there was the unknown of getting to spring training, right? So we went through that in 95 where you just didn't know if it was going to start. So I don't know. Sometimes that can affect the way you prepare because you know, baseball is all about routines. You know, they call it superstition, right? Oh, baseball guys are so superstitious. <laughs> it's really not superstition. It's really about routines. And if you can create a routine, then you're always going to be better. And you hear 
really smart people talking about that just everyday life. The better you establish a routine, the more effective you're going to be as you're going to be a healthier person. You're going to work better at your job. You're going to just perform better all around, maybe as a dad and as a husband, all that kind of stuff, if you have a routine. And that really plays into, as an athlete, when you think about all the details that go into the game of baseball and how long it is played out, routines are so critical. And I, when I taught for, I taught for about 15 years, and I preach that all the time to, to my students about you need to have a routine before you throw the ball, after you throw the ball, working out to, th- to prepare to pitch, the days after you pitch, it's all about establishing this, this positive routine that will get you in the right frame of mind so that you can relax and you focus on the right things. Because it seems like when you don't have a routine, your mind can wander. And then when the, when the mind drifts, that's when the bad thoughts come in. Right. And as a baseball player, when you think about hitting is based upon failure. You know, if you're great, you're you're getting one out of three. You know, you're getting a hit every three at bats. That's that's the best. And so you think about that. There's so many you have to be so positive that uh, and there's a lot of space and time for you to think bad thoughts right in the game because right. it's a little slower, it's slower than basketball, it's slower than NASCAR. That's for sure. <laughs> and it's slower than um, uh, than football. So I think that's why the routine helps you. You have thought process that you go through. And it keeps those bad thoughts from creeping in. With each passing year, I come to appreciate more and more when there are rough patches. When I hear Snit in whether it's post game or pre game, his you know his media availability times where he he preaches it over and over again. At times, it's I guess because we've we've heard it so many times that. He maybe can sound like a broken record, but I get it. Mm-hmm. Him saying that it's going to click, like it's going to work, grinding through. I think he used that word a lot. Mm-hmm. You just have to grind through it. And I think that's exactly right. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I I do want to talk about uh, Kenley and how good he's been Mm -hmm. so far this year. I think, you know, Matt's, Tyler's had his, his a little bit of his struggles. Um, Will's had a little bit of his struggles, and that happens. But, man, Kenley has been just solid as a rock at the back end. And we knew he was a huge signing at the time when that happened in spring training. But he's been – I knew he was great. I think he's one of the all-time greats as far as relievers go. But, you know, I would only see him when we would face the Dodgers or in the postseason or if it's a big game that the Dodgers were involved in, I'd tune in after our game to watch the end of it. Mm. There's something I, I, I knew. It's not that I didn't appreciate him before, but watching him every day or most days, I've really gained a new appreciation for how darn good he is. He's something. Yeah. It's uh, it's nice to see a guy that you can count on who's is consistent. He's been in his numbers. You can put, like you said, you can put him against up against anybody in the game or that's been in the last 20 years. He's done a tremendous job. You know, and it all comes back to that cutter. I mean, he, he's, he attacks the zone. He's just a little bit different. I mean, it's kind of like Rivera, Mariano Rivera. You know, throwing 95 to 97, 92 mile an hour cutter. He can make it bigger. He can make it smaller. You just don't see a lot of that. It's just not a lot of those. And, you know, Maddox was very similar. He threw a lot of cutters. And, and it was so good that 
he just dominated the left side of the plate. The left-handed hitters could not, which typically it's where right-hander struggles, right? But he had the cutter, and then he had the great changeup away. And then Mariano just threw the ball up in the zone, but then he could he could just pound you in on their hands, and it just was really tough. But Kenley seems to be out of that same mold where he has a great cutter, but he also, he just he does the same thing day in and day out he comes in he attacks his own he stays up he gets in on guys uh, then he can paint he doesn't walk anybody uh so for a reliever that you can count on and and you know he doesn't throw as hard as he used to but he's i mean he's just he's throwing hitting speed now but because the way he makes the ball move he just keeps guys off off stride and, and he and he stays ahead and if that is ever a great example of for a young pitcher who's trying to make it so many times we see young young guys that are coming up it's ball one ball two you know two and one you know then it's three and one then it's three two and then he gives up a hit right the next thing ball one ball two but it's so the you can look at the statistics and you can go through and say what are the batting averages of one oh versus oh one two oh versus two two right versus one two three two versus one and two versus two and two. I mean it's night and day you turn 240 hitters into 210 hitters you took you take 280 hitters you turn them into 240 hitters I mean you just totally flip the script on these guys if you just get ahead and so many times guys are so busy trying to throw hard that they can't execute their pitch they're trying to max out everything they want the nastiest slider they want the nastiest curveball they want the hardest fastball and they're trying to live at the top of their zone meaning their speed zone right and so if you just drop it down a couple miles an hour that allows you to now execute and i've told people this all the time and i've always related this to nascar and i used to use this analogy when i taught us you know nascar you you run the race on an oval right so if you can you imagine if you tried to drive like you were on this on the straightaway every time you couldn't because you'd go right into the bank, right? Right. You have to back it down to keep the car and the wheels on the track so that you can come out of the turn and then kick it into full speed. You got to know when to turn it on when and when to back it down. Well, pitching is like driving on the oval, right? You you gotta you gotta do that. But these guys are trying to do it all on a straightaway, and so therefore it's three zero, three one, three two. And when you look at the best pitchers, they don't do that. They attack. They're on the they're on the other end of it and I just there was so so much that impressed me about I mean trying to impress young uh, young pitchers to say hey if you'll just take that approach you will turn these hitters to where they're defensive instead of right now it seems like when you got there when you're always behind they're always on the offense right they're always offensive to you and, and uh, that just that was something that I thought was so important for a young pitcher to understand that um, when I've seen guys like you know like Tukey come up and he struggled and he just like whenever he's behind you know it's because he's just missing out of the zone every time and it just makes it so much harder because every hitter gets better (laughs) when you when you're behind and that's back to Kyle Wright that's what he does Kenley Jansen he's doing that you know mentor's been mentor's been pitching great and um you know, I, I hopefully, you know, Colin's going to get, you know, he pitched a little bit today, did fine. Hopefully he'll continue to get better. But he's just been missing with some of his breaking balls. He, he relies to predominantly on a slider, and he's got a curve. But uh, he was just missing, and, you know, and he was getting hit around earlier in the season. But, you know, he'll, he's a veteran. He'll turn that around. But it really is just that simple. If you can execute 
your pitches and stay ahead. And sometimes that means backing it down a little bit. Mm -hmm. Then you're going to be better. You're going to be better than the hitter. But when you keep missing like that, the hitters will take advantage of it. I like the NASCAR analogy there, just circling back to going to that race in Darlington a couple weeks ago. So the, the, the driver that was in that car is Sam Mayer, and he's 18. He's a development driver for Junior Motorsports. Seems like a great kid. We talked to him for a while. Definitely has a lot of talent from what we were seeing. I mean, really talented kid. But watching them run his first stage, and he started out okay, and then he was clearly fading a little bit. And so because he's a development driver, he's got veterans in his ear, whether it's the crew chief, the spotter, that are telling him, saying things that you wouldn't have a veteran, like you wouldn't tell a veteran. But they're telling him, your entry to term one is this, when it should be this. You need to try this. You need to try this. And it was very cool just in the course of one race watching him, because where we were sitting, I was watching his approach into term one in the first stage. And guys behind him were just eating him up all the way through term one, and they'd have him pass by turn two. And so he adjusted, and he changed his line, and he changed his approach. And by the end of the race... There was nobody catching up to him, and and but it's that kind of that same thing of it's like you have to get out there and trial and error it a little bit and learn the approach and be confident in your approach and what you're doing. I did want to say, mentor, every time, like especially when we're here at home, when I hear his entrance music crank up in the ballpark, I feel like it's it's automatic three outs right there at this mm. point. I'm as confident watching him as as anybody yeah. right now. I don't want to focus just well, on the guy because he's man. But you he's, know he's what? You, you can look at AJ too and look at his first couple years. Oh yeah. And I'm thinking how in the world is this guy getting hit he's left-handed he's throwing 97 and he's got this great slider but i mean everything was hard harder and hardest and he just he would miss and pick and miss and then um he really struggled but man boy has he turned his career around the last few years and he has been dynamite uh, if you really put his three seasons together, he's been super solid. Really solid. And I think a lot of that goes back to um, he had like a, a mentor, right, in the bullpen there for a couple years that really um, – and I'm, I'm losing his name. Josh Tomlin? Yeah, Josh Tomlin, who they really connected and, and helped him. You know, you saw a difference in his game when Josh was down there, and I think A.J. has is, is figured it out. But there for a while, he he struggled. But he, had, he was up and down, up and down, you know, Gwinnett back here and then all of a sudden, you know, he just um, got his role and started hitting his spots. And now he's one of your most reliable relievers down there. One more guy I wanted to shout out before we wrap up the, the Bubba and Harry edition here. It seems like to me on every successful baseball team, major league team, there's one guy that comes out, whether it's out of spring training or he comes up at some point during the season, kind of comes out of nowhere. Mm-hmm and just becomes a big contributor to the team. And Travis Demerit to me, has been a really cool – I know the team overall has been inconsistent, but in the absence of Ronald, while he was coming back from injury, but then also now he's still dealing with the groin injury, and, and obviously they need to be careful with him too. Uh, but then Eddie Rosario, him being out for a while, for Travis Demerit to kind of come up out of nowhere and a guy who's I guess he I don't know I don't have the stats in front of me I don't know how much he actually played in the big leagues for Detroit I'm assuming it was a cup of coffee up or two. and down for three years in Detroit I believe yeah for him to be contributing the way he is mm. I think that's been really really cool to see it's good to see a guy that's in his late 20s now and he's getting a shot to play every day and he's making the most of it it's and he great grew up here I mean yeah. that's even even better but he's played good defense out in in right field or left field or wherever they've had him and then he's been getting hits every Every game 
So uh, he's he's got good speed, stealing bases. Um, you always love those stories, and and there again, you never know when it's going to click for a young a young hitter like that because, like we said, hitting is based upon failure. But he gets to come and signs with his hometown team, and and then he gets an opportunity to play, and uh, he is definitely making the most of it. It's been fun to watch him. Very much so. So he played. Let's see, uh, for Detroit, 2019, he 186 plate appearances and. 48 games, played 18 games in 2020, and yeah, that was the last time until this year he played in the big league, so yeah, it's cool to see, mm. really good to see. I think the big key of this whole the whole thing is what you were saying earlier, that we're just not everything is clicking at once here, but when it does, I still think this is going to be a really, really good team. If you just stay in the mix, you get uh, Eddie Rosario back healthy, you get Ronald back to where he's 100%, you get something good out of Mike Soroka. You hope he can come for his sake first. You hope he can make it back. And if he's as solid as we hope he can be, then suddenly I think we're looking Mm -hmm. pretty good for that second half of the year. So it's easy to think that the sky is falling, particularly after a rough series or a rough loss. But if 2021 taught us nothing, it's that this is indeed a long season and a whole lot can happen. So... That's for sure. And as we hopefully have touched on here, there's a lot of good things to look at with this team so far, too. So Yeah, I mean, I think our pitching staff has um, turned it around, at least from the first part of the season, when you think about what Charlie's doing and Max, they started out pretty rough. They've turned it around. They've had a bunch of solid starts in a row. And then, of course, Kyle Wright, you got three three solid guys there that um, they're going to take you, you know, take you a long way. And, you know, and Ian's been doing fine too. You know, he's got, he's got room for improvement, but still you got four solid starters. And if we get Soroka back, I mean, he's a number one. So yeah. um, I'm not worried about the starting staff, you know, the bullpen, you know, they've had to do a lot. I mean, that's just this, this uh, team, the way the games are built nowadays, the bullpen is always required to do a lot. So you're going to have those days where you just come to out hit them but the defense shouldn't be that way right you shouldn't be shouldn't be struggling with your defense and then the injuries so those are the two things that that i think are probably probably the the more telling sign right now and then we got a few hitters that are pretty they're scuffling pretty bad i mean duvall and um uh, marcel and you know you get those guys they're not going to struggle all year i mean you know i mean marcel he missed a whole year last year so you just don't know what what that's going to do it's going to take him a little bit to get back into it so i'm i'm not panicking I, i feel we're in a good spot but you always want it to come around sooner than later right i know i know <laughs> you don't want it to wait until august no to get over 500 every year no, but that's but, a bad formula that's a bad formula but <laughs> june 1st how about june 1st i sign me up for that that's about 15 days from now i'm good with that that sounds good well thank you to all of you for listening as always and for sticking with the bubba and harry show uh as you have for the last almost four years now we very much appreciate it and and again our thanks to Justin's for being the official sponsor of behind the braves we very much appreciate them and we very much appreciate all of you listening rating reviewing subscribing behind the braves presented by Justin's wherever you get your podcasts for greg mcmichael i'm ricky mast we'll see you next week on behind the braves it's blazing hot outside you get in your car to turn on the ac to get cold air pumping but it blows hot air out this issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the ac system you want an easy all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time ac pro recharge kits Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.